0: Very much appreciate that. Amen. John chapter nine. Also with winter coming, if there's anyone here, where, and we can maybe combine this with maybe some help from our teenagers, but there's some things, maybe some prep work you need in helping getting ready for winter, and. and uh, um, or anything like that. That's coming up. I was talking with Bob prior to the service, and, and he was thinking of this, I think that's a good idea. So if there's anyone here who is, you know, winter's coming, maybe got some stuff still to help prepare for, but you're just not able to get that done, uh, and let, we can see if we can certainly help with that, maybe get some of our teens and young men over there to help. And last year, man, we got a ton of snow last year. That's why the Scalise's left. I knew that was coming, so they got out of Dodge last year. And... uh um, but if you do, let me know, and we'll see if we can't, maybe if there's several things, put a little list together and get with some of our teams, young men and coordinate something to um, help get ready for winter. Or, or if you even think you're going to need help with shoveling off and on uh, this year, I know I do. I, uh, I can't do it. I'm incapable. And uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, all right, John chapter 9. Let me go into the text here. John chapter 9. John chapter 9 is one event here that takes place. Um, It's really hard to read John chapter 9 without going through the whole chapter, but I know that's a lot of verses, so let me see what happens. I'll start in verse 1. We'll see how it goes. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither have this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and made clay of spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man uh, with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent, and and he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which had before seen him, which was blind, and, uh, uh, and said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is the other said. He is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore, they said unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus, made clay, anointing my eyes, said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. They said unto him, Where is he? He said, I, I, I know not. They brought him to the Pharisees. Boy, they're going to be thrilled, aren't they? Him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he went over the story again. He put clay on my eyes, I do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he opened thine eyes? He said he is a prophet, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called his parents of him that received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? By the way, let me set the context of this. I should have said this before I read. I know we're in John chapter 9, but this is at the very end of Christ's ministry, actually. all right Willie, when you jump in, once once you get into John chapter 4, you make an enormous jump uh, in the ministry of Christ, in the gospel of John. And John chapter 5 was at the 18-month point, all right? And that was where he'd also healed a man on the Sabbath day, and it was at that point forward, the, the leadership of Israel changed, and they, now they wanted him dead. They sought out to kill him, all right? So now we're, we're, we're well beyond the 18-month point. They're already well against Christ. So anyhow, verse nineteen again, and they asked him, saying, "Is this your son, whom you say was born blind? How doth he now see?" His parents answered them and said, "We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. By, but by what means he now seeth? We know not. Or who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself." These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. That would be enormous if that happened to your family. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? You think they're a little bit mad now? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As For this fellow we know not from whence he is. The man answered, now think about this, this man has been blind since birth, so he's completely uneducated, says this, this man answered and said unto him, "Why why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. He just preached to him. They answered and said unto them, Thou was altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. That's what Christ was waiting for. Jesus heard that they cast him out. When he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Now remember, he knew this voice. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, And it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the message tonight. We pray that you be glorified and honored. Please control what I say, how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. And Lord, I pray that you use this to strengthen us. And if there's anyone here that has never truly been converted, we certainly do pray. Pray, Lord, for... Uh, for their conversion, that even this evening they repent and place their faith in Christ. Lord, I love you. I pray this in Christ's name, Amen. This is a, a, again one of my favorite events in the Gospel of John. There's several. I, I really like the Gospel of John. And we, even we get into Chapter 11 with with Lazarus, then you got the Good Shepherd in Chapter 10, and that amazing discourse that takes place there. But in Chapter 9, it's this whole chapter dedicated to this miracle. And what takes place here. And it really is just something to read as as you go through it with what takes place here. Um, I mean, here is Christ. are walking down the road. And the disciples start off. And I'll focus on that in a little bit. I'm going to take just one angle of this tonight. And how we can learn from this and how it helps us serve God. All right. But they're walking down the road and the disciples see him first and say, oh, here's a blind man. And they ask this the stupidest question. Who, who did sin? This man or his parents said he was born blind. Christ is like, what? what? Neither have this man sinned nor his parents. You know, but, but the works of God might be made manifest. And, and he goes on and talks, listen, the, the day is far spent. The night is at hand. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day And then, of course, he heals the man, and he comes back, and the people are looking. They're just amazed. I mean, they've known him since he was a boy. I mean, since he was an infant. I mean, he's never never had vision one day in his life. He was born blind. And you could just imagine him as he left the river and able to see how just amazed he had to be to have vision. And there he's coming, running back, seeing, proclaiming, and everybody's looking around. Is that? No, that has to be somebody like him. I mean, it looks like him, but that can't be him. He said, no, it's me. This is me. Well, how'd you get your sight? This man. I mean, he told me to go wash in the river. I did that, and now I see. They bring him to the Pharisees. And then they hear those words. Um, This man was blind, born blind. And no doubt, some of those Pharisees knew him. And they said, this man, Jesus, healed him. Oh, and they're furious. No rejoicing. No, no, no little meeting real quick. You know what? Maybe we better consider. Maybe we better consider we have, we're wrong about this man Christ. I mean, look what just happened. This isn't fake. This is real. We know this man. Nothing like that happens. How did he do it? They want to try and trap him. That's all they're worried about. And then they thought they had him. He took clay. We got him. He broke the Sabbath. (laughs) No, he didn't. Put the the clay on on the eyes, told him to go and wash. And, of course, the discourse begins to take place back and forth. They bring his parents in. And they say, listen, this is our son. He was born blind. How he? Now, ask him. He's of age. So they bring him back again. Tell us again. He's like, why? Why? I've already told you once. If I tell you now, are you actually going to take time to think about it and actually begin to follow this man? Oh, they were furious. And he hears them talking. He says, Would you just think what you're saying? You're admitting you really don't know who he is. You don't know that he's a fraud. You don't know what. But all of a sudden, you're seeing genuine power take place that has never before been seen in the world. conviction had to set in this uneducated blind man preaching to them and he's right at least consider it look what's taking place look around you i mean the man which he didn't say this but he could have because he, he would be unaware of it but by this time he's basically by this time he's already went into all the towns and cities of galilee and healed everyone we're not talking the charismatic nonsense that we see today. We're talking genuine, true healings taking place. And so he preaches to them, and of course, they are just under conviction, and how dare you? You were born in sin, as if, as if they weren't. The wrong perspective so obvious. Their pride blinding him, their greed, their lust for power, their jealousy, so much controlling them at this moment. All, by the way, in the name of God. And so they cast him out. And then, man, what? And by the way, this is clear. Those often preach that healings are salvation. That's simply not true in the Bible. Healings are healings, salvation is salvation. And so Christ hears it and he goes to that. Could you imagine when he heard Christ's voice after he was cast out? He would know that voice. Christ comes to him. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? By the way, multitudes, multitudes of, of your uh, isms, your cults, false religions to them, they all like to say that the Bible, that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God, He just did. He just did. That's nonsense. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is He, Lord, that I might believe on Him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen Him, and it is He that talketh with He. Then he puts his faith right in the Lord. Lord, I believe. And the next action showed he did believe he was God. What does he do? He worships. He worships him. Such an amazing picture here that takes place. Now, how I want to take this account today is just one angle, like I said, of how to try and draw some truths from this and how we can be effective as we serve God. Because there are certain things we see here that Christ did that I think are key if we're going to be effective right now. All of us. Not just as a pastor, not just even as a Sunday school teacher, but whoever you are. Whether you're a policeman, a a, a principal of a school in the military, um, a stay-at-home mom who's teaching her children. Whatever it might be. There are some principles here that we see that we need. These skills need to be in place if we're going to be effective So I want to look at these elements here from this text. First off, I want you to look at verse number 4. Verse number 4. I'm going to jump around here a little bit. I'll probably come back to earlier in the text, just a little bit prior to this. The first three verses for the second one. But the first one, I have this as three C's if you want to write them down right now. Clock, compassion, and courage. Three C's to be effective. Clock, compassion, and courage. When we get to verse 4, as I said, Christ is near the end of his ministry by this time. It's, it's coming close to the, the last few weeks here before he is crucified. He says in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. If we're going to be effective, just like Christ did. I mean, he heard the... And I'm going to get back to the question the disciples asked in, in, in the second point. Um, but right now, Christ hears it. He says, listen, I don't have time for this discussion with you right now. Time is short. If we're going to be effective, we need to be able to use our time wisely. The use of a clock. There's a shortness of time that we all have. doesn't matter, really. I mean, I mean, if... If if we live to be 90, that is just so fast. I mean, our life, what was it, James chapter 4 and verse 14. Our life is as a vapor, appeareth for a while, then, uh, um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm quoting, cool. let me get there real quick. <clears throat> Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I mean, it's just there and gone. Life goes too quick. Use the time you have wisely. There is, I believe there's more, more in our day than any other time in world history of things to steal your time. Really, our, the, the generation that's alive right now, we have more things stealing our time from using our time wisely than at any other time in the history of the world. We don't realize how short time is. Look at First Peter chapter one and verse seventeen. I believe it is. Let's see if that's the verse I want. Yes. First Peter one seventeen. How to use our time. It starts off by addressing those who are saved. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of person, judges according to every man's work, get this. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Interesting. He's saying, you want to know how to use your time? Sojourning is interesting because it gives the idea that we are strangers in this world and pilgrims, which he's going to end up driving at. All right, Because that's who we are. We're strangers and pilgrims. Do you know how much more effective we would be if we had actually recognized that our citizenship is in heaven and the responsibility that we have on this earth? Instead of getting so caught up in the things of this earth, we would use our time so much more wisely. Our lifestyle and how we use our time to reflect that of the Word of God. It's said that we should pass our time with fear. not that interesting? Why? Well, I, I, look where he goes to in verse 18. A verse that probably many of us can quote, but I'm, I'm going to read several verses right there. I'm going to get back into there. I closed it up. He gives the reason why. Notice the punctuation at the end of verse 17. So the thought is continuing. For as much as you know, that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in this last times for you. And and it continues from there. What he's saying is this. One of the reasons why is because you've been bought with a price. And the price that, that, I mean, you're not your own. The time you have is not your own. Every single one of us that are saved, you have been bought with a tremendous price. If we're going to be effective with our service of God, we've got to use our time wisely. I mean, if I, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 stresses redeeming the time. Again, the devil is a master at getting us to waste our time. To us, put our strength and energy into things that don't really matter. We have to redeem the time, use it wisely. The importance of the work that is here. I mean, think about it. In John chapter 9, Christ understood the importance of all that was taking place. It's what allowed him to use this time wisely to press on. But this morning, looking at the Apostle Paul, he understood why he had energy, why during the time he had strength to use it for something that mattered. If you were to look at your time this week, how well would you say you've redeemed the time? For many, look at Romans chapter 13. Look at Romans chapter 13. For many, as we're going to see here, Not only do we need to redeem the time, use our time wisely, recognize the shortness of time, but for many it's simply time to wake up. Verse 11, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Listen, we have a short time before we stand before the Lord. Before that day of salvation is at hand. Listen, at that moment, you understand? Walking by faith is over. Our opportunity now to serve God, it, it's done. You're there, you're in His presence. At that moment, you will realize with such clarity that the only thing that mattered is what you did for the Lord. That's all that's going to matter. So, Paul, there in Romans chapter 13, is reminding believers listen, it's high time to awake out of sleep to recognize. Listen, Wendy, you're going to stand before him. Put off the works of darkness. Put things in priority. Put things in perspective. Use your time wisely. The second thing, let's go back to John chapter 9. Let's look at the first couple of verses. It says, then, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And he spoke, it was the, the disciples who spoke first about the blind man and brought a request before him. But we see, again, the second point here, what's needed to make a difference to be effective in our service, not only the wise use of time, but compassion. Notice there are two different reactions here. Two completely different reactions to the blind man. The disciples have already been with Christ going on three years. They have seen his miracles over and over and over again. They're coming up, there's the blind, here's this blind beggar that's right there. His disciples see him. It isn't compassion that's motivating them right now. It's nothing that there's anything sinful with the discussion. It's not that they're in rebellion or anything like that. But they're missing something that is affecting their service, and that is compassion. Instead of going to Christ and first saying, Lord, we've seen your power over and over. This man has been blind since birth. We brought him to you. That wasn't even thought of. Lord, who did sin? This man or his parents? Now, you could just imagine being Jewish men why they asked that question, because how they were taught sin worked and generational things and whatnot. And so they had a theological curiosity. So when they see the blind man, though, instead of seeing the need, they want to have a theological discussion. Theological discussions are really good. I enjoy them. But if that is before your compassion, something's wrong. Something's wrong. That will affect how you serve. We need compassion. As Jude, verse 22, tells us, in some having compassion, making a difference. Compassion needs to be a motivation. It needs to be within our life if we're going to be effective as we serve God. Without eyes of compassion, our service will be with a hard heart. And we will fail to see the true need of the blind beggars. Instead of, when we see what's going on in the world, we'll we'll be more interested in having a theological discussion than about the need that actually exists. Compassion is essential. And some having compassion making a difference. Compassion is essential. And lastly this evening, courage. Let me see if I can find the verse. I don't have it written down back in John chapter 5. I should have looked it up. I I didn't think about it. Uh, Let's see. Yes, verse 16. So John chapter 5 is another healing on the Sabbath day. It's 18 months into Christ's ministry. I'm not going to look at this miracle, but I want you to see verse 16. It says, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Okay? So, now we get into John chapter 9. It happens to be the Sabbath day once again. At 18 months was the height of the popularity of the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry. and But now, the Jewish leadership, they're actively seeking to take him out. And of course, and he knows it. He's had to use wisdom all along. Here it is, the Sabbath day. And so... I believe we have another example for us in what's needed as we serve God if we're going to be effective. Not only the wise use of time to be effective, not only do we need compassion, but it's going to take courage. There are times when you're going to be faced with situations, whether it's in your household, whether it's at work, when it takes courage. And and, and within the United States of America, for the most part, for 200 years... We've been a Christian nation. It didn't take us... I mean, I I know of different... uh, um, I know of isolated issues that withstood where Christians had to exhibit great courage within the United States. I'm not saying that. But as a whole, that was not the case. Boy, that's changing rapidly. Because we are now, without a doubt, a secular nation. This is a nation that has decided to abandon God. That's where, we're at. That's where we live now as Christians. We live in a nation that it says, listen, we don't want to have anything to do with God. You see it more and more in every aspect of life. Therefore, we're going to be faced with situations time and time again that are going to require courage to be effective. That's going to require a measure of boldness. And just like Christ here, He knew when He heals this man on the Sabbath day The Pharisees are going to throw a fit. It could be dangerous to his very life, but he's in control. But he's still doing this as an example for us as well. Look over in Acts chapter 4. I want to show you something. You say, well, I'm just a fearful person. The Lord changes us. Look at chapter 4 and verse 31. It says and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the holy ghost and they spake the word of god with boldness and of course this chapter highlights a lot of what's going on in the life in the ministry of peter still peter was a man as we know that that at one time although he would be a man of rashness he actually lacked boldness didn't he now, he didn't even recognize it. He didn't. Until he was actually faced with it, then, then he saw, wow, I don't, I don't have courage. I mean, when he was faced with it the night that Christ was betrayed, and, and he took off running. And, of course, Peter was already wondering, what in the world am I doing? I, I can't believe. So he tries to follow Christ. He tries to follow. He's staying there. We all know what happened. He's there. The, the, they're at Caiaphas' house and the, 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 this illegal mock trial taking place at the high priest's house and, 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 and that woman recognizes Peter. Hey, look, there's one of his disciples. I don't know. I know him not. Others come over. Yeah, you're one of them. No, I don't know him. Third time they hit him. Yes, you're one of us. No, I don't know him. Lack courage. But of course we see, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you see a changed man. You now see a man with incredible boldness. Remove the boldness from Peter. Is he effective? He's not. He's not. What led to the boldness? Ephesians 4.31 being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not you running around speaking a gibberish language. That's not it. It's not it. It's not about some emotional experience that you have because you've been filled with the Spirit of God. So often we're just looking for some emotional experience before God. It's not about, that's not even about God. That's about us and what we call worship today. It's about how we want to feel, that we want something besides faith, something extra. Instead of walking by faith. But when you're actually filled with the Spirit, there's a certain attribute that comes with it. That's boldness. That's boldness. That's why it's so important that that, that each day you're still in the Word of God, you're still in prayer. Being yielded to the Spirit of God. So that because the feeling goes, it doesn't just stay. It's your yielding to the Spirit of God. That's what's going to produce the boldness when it's needed. You don't know what you're going to face at work tomorrow. But you can find yourself in a situation which is going to require great wisdom and great boldness. You need both. God's Holy Spirit and being filled with God's Spirit is key. So, who's in control of your life? What would you say is in control of your life? Would you say, listen, I know it is the Spirit of God. The truth is, for us here, we'd have to say, you know what? I There's so many times it's just not true. That's where you humbly come before God and say, please, Lord, I'm sorry. I took over and I shouldn't have. This is wrong. Lord, please fill me. Help me to be yielded to your spirit. Because again, to serve God as we should, it takes great wisdom and it takes great boldness. Especially in the world we're living in right now. We're going to need that. If we're going to be effective as we serve the Lord, we've got to use our time wisely. We need compassion as a motivation and we need courage. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to think about this as we come in. Listen to me for a second. In John chapter 9, with Christ using his time wisely? He said, listen, the, the, the day is far spent. I'm going to use my time and what I need to. Because he had compassion to see the need. Because he had courage to act on the Sabbath day. Listen to me. A man's life was completely changed. This man who spent all of his years begging on the side of the road. Not only does he have vision, that is now the secondary miracle. Do you understand? That's the secondary miracle that took place here now. Now he understands what life is all about as he is worshiping the Son of God. All that took place The Lord using time wisely, with compassion and courage, and a life was changed. I wonder who you're going to meet tomorrow. Of somebody who is obviously blind to what this life is all about, who needs their life changed. But if you head out to work or whatever the situation is without compassion without a wise use of time and willing to show courage you're not going to be effective. And let me ask this is there anyone here say Pastor I'm not even certain I am converted. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. Pastor I'm not sure please pray for me. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyone here like this? I'm concerned about my salvation. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to hell. Please pray for me. Would you just put your hand up where I could see it and then you can put it back down? I see some small children. If you put your hand up, I, I miss... Yes, I see, I see that hand up there again. Yes, ma'am. Prayed for you this afternoon. And again, if you'd like somebody to talk with you, I can, I can send them to you if you would like that. All right. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else besides this one? All right, the Lord spoke to your heart. You can come and pray during this invitation. Father in heaven, bless this invitation. Lord, I pray it you work. I do pray for the one who once again raised her hand. Lord, I pray for that conviction and that drawing that she would place her faith in Christ. Lord, I love you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 520. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. 520.